Hi, everybody. I'm here with Dr. Denise Warden today, and this is a really exciting show. She just got back from Europe, and they're quite a bit ahead of the United States when it comes to taking on cancer and doing integrative therapies, and also on the front of homeopathics. And she had an opportunity to really dive into homeopathics and what's going on over there, particularly in France, and quite a few other discoveries along the way. And I think in short, Dr. Warden has just done a beautiful job in trying to take the sting out of a cancer diagnosis. Diagnosis, And I think with good reason, she's really putting the pieces together. So let's not waste any more time and get to Dr. Warden right now. Hi, Denise. It's good to see you again and welcome good back to the U.S. <laughs> Thank you, Regina. Glad to, glad to be back. And um, it was an exciting trip. And, and you know me, I'm the person that wants to go around no matter where it is all over the world to see what we're doing, not just for cancer, but for any chronic degenerative diseases and what other countries are doing. Sometimes we're ahead in the United States in certain areas and sometimes we're behind. And when it comes to integrative, I think we're lagging a little bit. I think so. It's certainly, certainly there's enough evidence out there to prove that. And I think one of the big problems is when people get diagnosed with cancer, um, the first thing they do, even in our community listening to us right now, is like they're so frightened that people can fall into behaviors that they normally wouldn't because of the fear and also forced into either or positions of, oh my God, okay, I have to do only alternative. Otherwise I'm going to kill myself with radiation and chemo, or I've got to give it my best shot. I'm going to go with the allopathic medical um, treatment. And it really forces people into this polarized position instead of an integrative, calm approach to it, which is really what you do. So let's talk about it. What you discovered in France. Right. Well, first, Regina, remember, I'm in the middle of um, completing my book that gives the steps that we're talking about for every patient once they have that I've been waiting for it. I am too. <laughs> I've been told my uh, literary agent says I have to get so many followers before he wants to go to the big publishers. Oh, so God. It's have so your cool. listeners get on all that social media stuff and start following me. Um, I did send some um, uh, fun. I did some Facebook lives, my first ones I've ever done. And I did it on my way to France and during France. And it was quite successful and a lot of fun. So I'm going to keep doing that. So okay. let's start. Yeah. I just want to say that everybody jump on and go to her Facebook page and put some thumbs up and likes on there because it's really stupid that publishers are forced to or choose to go with the social media model before they'll put really good work out in the world. But that is our reality now. So do it. <laughs> it is the reality. I've got some good publishers that are already willing to do it. I'm just trying to find the best one so I can get it to the most amount of people. Yeah. It's that game we play, right? But oh, we'll get there. Um, so that, called, that, the name of the book is called What to, what to Do in 72. In and that 72. means to yourself 72 hours. And here's your plan before you walk in and decide on chemo, radiation, surgery, alternative medicine, traditional, integrative, all of it. It's a plan. So I'm, I'm excited uh, to have that out soon. Good. So okay, let's move on to the story. Yes, yes. So um, I was asked, I was invited to go to France. Um, it was sponsored by Borjon, who is the largest homeopathic manufacturer in the world. Um, they invited many of us um, from different countries. I think I say many, I think there were about 10 or 12 of us uh, from all over different countries, uh, myself and two representatives from um, MD Anderson Cancer Oncology Center were the U.S. representatives. Uh, and so it was great because they first took us to outside of Paris, the first integrative 
uh, treatment center for cancer patients, and it's called the Institute Raphael. And you understand they named it Raphael after the angel Raphael, the angel of healing, and they make that very clear, which I thought was beautiful to start with. Yes. Not afraid to, to go there. Yeah, to but go there. They, yeah. they, from high tech to all the things that we already know. So when a patient has cancer in France, everything is paid for. 100%. And we know that we won't go into the politics of what that means. But if you're on the side, if you have that diagnosis and you don't have to worry about the financial end and it's covering the integrative care, it's a nice place to be, except when you're not and you're paying those high taxes. But I won't get political here. So what they had at the Institute Raphael is um, the moment that a patient was diagnosed with cancer and they you, most of the patients were being treated traditionally, Regina, with chemo, radiation, surgery. It depended on what type of cancer, but they wanted the integrative care. So the Institute is a place where they go and they have uh, therapists that uh, go from hypnosis to color therapy. They had yoga classes constantly for the patients, teaching them the breathing and the spiritual side of, of, of going into that as well. That art therapy, a full-time art therapist where they could paint and they could do music therapy. They had um, they had a chef that when you're diagnosed, the chef not only, and they brought in beautiful, and it's on my Facebook, some of the pictures and the videos, from the garden that day, big, huge, fresh produce that was brought in, they were cooking not only for the cancer patient, but for the cancer patient's family. Now, isn't that beautiful? That they is had, you know yeah. what it's you know what it's reminding me of? It's, it sounds identical, literally, to the Wegemann Clinic outside of Dornoch, Switzerland. Do you remember that? Which was on Rudolf Steiner's anthroposophical medical model for curing cancer and had all of those beautiful elements. I have so much respect for that. That's right. Well, and we know the science shows when you're calmer, when you're in out of this sympathetic running from the bear state, the body's allowed to heal and all the therapies, no matter what you decide, are going to work better when you're out of that running from the bear state. They had sex therapists. That is amazing. In America, we just kind of kind of push it off to the side. They they don't like their bodies anymore if they've had surgery or they had um, aromatase inhibitors, which means they're blocking the hormones. They've got vaginal dryness and painful intercourse. Men lose their libido, all these things. And it's an important part of well-being. And in Europe, of course, everything is open and they immediately have them start talking to a sex therapist as well. Now, those are important, but other things they had, they had high technology for looking for body composition. And this is something I know you'll enjoy, and I did. They have cameras in the consultation rooms that analyze the patient's facial recognition, the facial uh, expressions, so they know whether the patient's really more anxious, more depressed, more grief, and then they can prescribe which of the integrative therapies they think will best help them by the facial recognition. Now, that's high tech. Yeah, yeah, that is very cool. So, okay, so let's yes. get on into it and some of the, let's, well, tell us where you're going to go next with that and then I want to see where we're going with the homeopathic end of it. Right, right. So they use homeopathy in the Institute as well. And uh, much of France did. I'll talk about politically what's going on in a minute. But Boron, after the tour of the Institute Raphael, uh, put us on a train and we got to go to beautiful Lyon. And that is where Boron's headquarters has been. And they employ thousands of people. They're, they're well respected in the community. And we got to tour that, that homeopathic uh, pharmaceutical, they call them medicine 
artisans there. And uh, we got to tour that facility. And Regina, I've toured many pharmaceutical and nutraceutical uh, manufacturing plants, and they are state of the art at Boron. It was quite impressive. So we got to see that. I have to tell you, I'm just going to interject something. Years ago, I I interviewed a woman who was at that time considered, I think, to be like the top um, homeopathic of uh, practitioner in the UK. And she very serious woman took it very seriously. And I was asking her about different makes and she had high praise for Boron, which I thought, you know, you can find it at any health food store. I mean, it's not special, right? And she said, oh no, uh, au contraire, it actually is a very high quality product. So it, right. the thing is, it's cheap and it's right in the health food store. It's great. That's correct. And that's that's great for us. It is inexpensive. But what is going on in France and while we were there, we knew that the national association that that determines what's covered by healthcare in each country in Europe, they had the debate going on whether they were going to continue to uh, cover, have homeopathy covered. And for you to know, there were about 128 million francs in what were spent in homeopathy compared to the 20 billion in all pharmacy in France. And about 60% of the population there uses homeopathy. That's 38 yeah. million people. And they have for 220 years. While we were there, we were on pins wondering what the health, national health was going to come back. And they came back and they're phasing it out. Now, they, they came back with the ruling. They said, we're going to phase it out. We're not only phasing out homeopathy, but we're phasing out a lot of other natural treatments and some pharmaceuticals because they really are about trying to overall consume less is their point. But they said homeopathy didn't have enough studies behind it to prove oh. its effectiveness. So... Regina, in all fairness, we need bigger, better studies. We do. But to say there is not enough, I I disagree with that because I lecture all the time. I even lectured there at Boron at the the Institute Raphael for the different um, uh, uh, doctors that were there. We have a lot of science and a lot of studies that have been done on homeopathy. Not to mention the 220 years of use. No, yeah, no kidding. Um, anecdotal use, if nothing else, I mean, for generations of families. But you've been doing really interesting things here in the United States, having to do with, um, and we talked about this before, some really serious liver problems such as cirrhosis right. and homeopathics, which right. most people would think that's impossible. So bring the, let's bring that into it a little bit too, and what else is possible? Right. Well, what I know clinically is that homeopathy I have seen work. We can call it placebo if you took a sugar pill for many different things. Might be able, and placebo is real. The body's amazing. However, with these injections, I inject different things. Some are pharmaceutical, some are natural, some are not, some are homeopathic. And what I know is with these homeopathic injections, I watch blood markers go in the right direction. I watch pathologies get better. And I've documented that, especially with this liver injection that you're talking about for fatty liver and cirrhosis. And there's only homeopathy in those injections. So I I hope to do more research in that area. I get some funding from somewhere, somehow, and that will help prove homeopathy in its own right, that we do have enough science. But that being said, Regina, my my take home is, listen, if we say we don't know the mechanism of action, I'm going to call anybody out on that because we don't know the mechanism of action of Tylenol. So if we're going to take homeopathy out because we don't know the exact mechanism, then we have to take Tylenol out and many other medications. 
Indeed, so. especially when you think it, it's that in the pharmaceutical business, oftentimes the results are actually skewed. No one actually knows what's going on with a lot of those various studies because it depends oftentimes. And this is a conspiratorial end, but it's not a conspiracy. I've seen the books on who funds which which um, uh, projects in terms of the, uh, the release of certain drugs and such. And I was shocked back in the day to find out the industries that were funding the very studies they stood to benefit from if there was a positive perception to the public. And, you know, that is true, but it's also true in the nutraceutical and all yes, that it is. funds it. You know, whoever can profit from it is tends to be the one to fund it. So at some point you have to look at the real data, you have to analyze it, and you have to understand, was it a good study or was it not? Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's hard for the consumers to do that, but that's where myself and others that are in the research community mm -hmm. say, this is a well-done study, I trust it, and this one, eh, I don't know about yet. It's, it's true. People like you can analyze it. And we don't know who funds these things. By and large, that's, that's not always easy information to find out, whether it's nutraceuticals or pharmaceuticals. So it is important for people like you to just keep digging. <laughs> that's, that's correct. And speaking of studies, you asked me to bring you um, some of the more later studies that have been coming out. And I know you've had Dr. Dominic D'Agostino and Dr. Seafried. We've talked about them on multiple times with each other and on your shows. And so I contacted them this week and I said, okay, what do you have that's new or coming out or is just recently published? So I think it'd be interesting for uh, your listeners to hear about a few. I'd love to hear about it. Okay. So we're back to, now let's pull off of homeopathy for a minute. Um, oh, before we do that, I want to say this. The day that the ruling came through in France and said that we're going to start phasing it out and no longer pay for it, they had a million signatures, a million, and they had protests and in the street was signed. So Boron is going to try to help fight this and hopefully reverse that opinion. Oh God, I um, hope they're successful. I, I do too. But remember, our supplements went through the same thing in the United States yes. years ago. They, they were going to take them off the market where we couldn't have them. They had to be a pharmaceutical. And it was the public that said, no, collected signatures, went to the politicians and said, you're not going to do this. So that's what Boron's going to try to do with homeopathy in France. Germany is watching them. They're going to follow probably the same pathway in England already as well, even though Prince Charles is an advocate. So most of Europe, they're trying to take homeopathy out of the formulary so they don't have to pay for it. So, yeah, no, I don't appreciate that. Let me ask you now, is homeopathic use um, involved in any of the integrative cancer clinics as well? Is that part of the protocol? Yes. So, uh, Yes. So Dr. Badgo wrote a book and I have his book and I'm a part of his International Homeopathic Cancer Oncology Society. And there are many protocols. There are a lot of uh, homeopathics that are being used. And at MD Anderson here in um, Arizona, I actually was instrumental in getting um, homeopathics introduced there for side effects. So we started with the calendula cream for those patients that have radiation burns. And then there's some oral homeopathics being used to help with hot flashes and other things. So MD Anderson, to their credit, has allowed homeopathy into the pharmacy for the side effects that are caused by traditional treatments. So, uh, you know, we're, we're making little, little headways here yeah. in big ways. So that's exciting. It is. So, so let's hear about these new studies coming out right. with Dominique and company. Yes. So we'll, we'll switch out of homeopathy for a moment and go back into ketogenic diet, hyperbaric oxygen. That's the metabolic 
cancer treatments that are that are really working with the mitochondria inside the cell, right? So a new one um, is that they're using, they did a recent study, Dominic and, and uh, et cetera, did a, a exogenous ketone supplement. So it was a ketone ester, not a salt. The esters aren't quite available in good form yet for public use, but they're going to be. They did a study with psychiatric disorders. It was very impressive. We're talking anxiety, depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, ADHD, and autism. So that's a very exciting uh, preliminary publication that they did. And so we're getting excited. We've known that it the, that can be, it looks very promising for cancer and, and uh, uh uh, Parkinson's and any other neurodegenerative diseases. So that was a great study. The second study uh, was done on the potential protective mechanisms of ketone bodies and migraine prevention. What that means is whether you're on the ketogenic diet or you're taking a supplement that gets you into ketosis, those ketone bodies floating around in the body may be very preventive and helpful for migraines, not just the other neurodegenerative diseases that are being studied. So that was an exciting one as well. Um, a third one was, um, we used to worry that if somebody went into the did a ketogenic diet and they had cancer or other diseases that make their skeletal muscles break down, that we were afraid of weight loss, right? It's the weight loss that we're after in other things, other reasons. But if that weight loss is going to start being catabolic, which means breaking down the skeletal muscle. So Dominic and his uh, researchers just studied that. And actually it's showing that the ketone bodies have an anti-catabolic effect. So they're anti-inflammatory, oxidative stress, gene expression. They actually work to protect skeletal muscles. And that's why uh, that, you know, the Navy SEALs and, you know, our elite uh, war hero, war, war fighters are not losing their skeletal muscle on this diet as well. So that was a, a good proof of principle as well. That one. Interesting. Uh, what Let me ask you a quick question here. Um, sure. Because, you know, most people that are familiar with the notion of ketogenic diets are like, oh my God, it's so strict. I don't think I can do that. Are you saying that some of these products that are starting to come online, um, will put the body in that ketogenic state if you're on just say an average kind of diet or do you still have to stay somewhat close to a carb restricted diet for those supplements to work? Right. Well, we want them to a certain amount of ketosis, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're learning more. One of the other new studies that just came out was adiposity and energy balance, which means working with the mitochondria. And we're knowing now that at about 30%, if, you're, if you have 30% of your diet, either it's from you're eating that way or you've got a supplement, that the magic happens. Obesity, we start working on with 20%. So with the newer science that are coming in, Regina, we're going to get very tailored. What is it you're trying to accomplish? and how can we do it? But yes, the supplements will help so you don't have to be quite so strict on the diet. Interesting. Okay, good. So on to, on to study number four. That's good to know. Um, so the, 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 the one that I, well, I just mentioned it, that ketone esters, the esters, not the salts that are available now is looking at adiposity and how it's working with the mitochondria. And they know those percentages were coming off of that study, at least preliminarily. And that's exciting. Other new ones from Dr. Seafried, Tom Seafried, who wrote the metabolic theory cancer, right? I asked him and he's got a, a couple of new papers out. Let's talk about glioblastoma, which has the highest mortality rate of all cancers. And it's a brain tumor. 
and it's fast and it's 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 deadly. Um, and there have been no major advances uh, for improving the overall survival of glioblastoma patients in almost a hundred years. Jeez. So his papers were sh- are showing that um, that if we use the therapeutic effect, remember we've got two arms that feed cancer. There's a glutamine pathway that's from stress and other things. And then you have the sugar pathway. So if we do the therapeutic effect of calorie restricted ketogenic diet, that means you're doing keto and you're calorie restricting. If you do that arm to block the sugar and they use a new molecule called Dawn and it's a glutamine antagonist, that's blocking the other pathway. If you do those two things, the results with a glioblastoma, they're increasing the lifespan of these patients, the quality of life. And it's looking very, very, very promising. And his paper is saying, why wouldn't we do this? In late stage glioblastoma, there's nothing else that traditional cancer uh, uh, care can do for us. Why would we not be doing those two things? And that's one of his papers. The other one is, it, and the title is, should ketogenic metabolic therapy become the standard of care for glioblastoma? So that's available for anybody to see. And he's challenging it because he's saying, this is the worst, hardest cancer that we work on. We haven't had any advances. Why aren't we doing this? And so he's he's really taking it on and with us behind him. Saying that, that is so exciting. And yeah. even though that is the most stubborn and perhaps most difficult to work with, um, the same strategy applies, it seems, to most cancers. Is that correct? That's correct. And if you think about that, most cancers, um, well, the gene mutations that arise that cause the cancers, the gene mutations are really, in our opinion, a result of the deep stabilization of that mitochondria. So we're back to uh, most cancers being a problem with the mitochondria. So all the therapies we're talking about from ketogenic, calorie restriction, uh, the DON, the hyperbaric oxygen, all these things that we're learning more and more about are targeting that and helping that, that mitochondria come back to a better function and also helps, as we've discussed in, other, uh, in some of our other one, uh, talks, is that if you decide on chemo and you decide on radiation and surgery, doing these therapies around those actually helps them work better and you come out of it uh, a little bit better as well. So that's back to the, the biggest paper I think out there right now. It's called Press Pulse Therapy. Dr. Seafried, Dominic D'Agostino, Angela, you know, all the ones that are, that, uh, that are studying this, that paper is showing us that the timing is critical when you put these therapies in, in relationship to all other therapies, the dosage and the sequence, very, very important. And so we're learning more and more and it's getting more and more exciting. So I'm, I think we're going to be able to um, do a lot better with our cancer patients very, very soon. We already are. We already are. It's very exciting. And again, so much of it is mental and emotional to begin with, where people jump on something. You've got to get your book, What to Do in 72, out there. We've been talking about it. I know. I I will. I will. So important. I want to tell you about something else coming up that's exciting. I leave next week um, for Boston. Yes. And um, that is the the microbiome has become this huge area of study, right? And remember the microbiome, we're mostly bugs and only a few little bit of us is our DNA. So um, that metabolic symbiosis, that means between us, the human host and the microbiome is a big area of study, both from big pharma, biotech companies, nutraceuticals, 
everybody's on it. So these conferences are popping up with the top researchers um, in, in the world and pharma's, uh, the big pharma, all of it that are looking at product development from diabetes to arthritis to all of it. But there's one next week and it's the first one, the microbiome in cancer. So I'm going to be there. I am there for the pure purpose of what is the latest research because sometimes we can look at that latest research and it might take 10 years for it to become standard of care or go somewhere. But we may have natural treatments or pro certain probiotics right now that we could start using with this leading edge research. And that's why I'm there. I'm after product development where I can get a hold of things, create new things with the best formulators in the country and look at the latest research and not wait to start helping our patients. So I'm excited about that one. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so um, I wanted to ask you about something else. We were just talking casually uh, just before we started rolling the camera and I was saying, gosh, I'm so tired of sudden allergies. I never had allergies before. Now it's like everything, everything in the air, food and everything. And I'm thinking, hey, this histamine story is making some sense. And you said, yeah, but you got to back up a bit. So for all of us who are really kind of suffering from various symptoms having to do with gastrointestinal to, you know, whether it's migraines, whether it's drippy sinuses and so forth. Let's talk about that cycle a little bit. Right. Well, one of the most important places to look is the microbiome, is the gut, what's going on there. If we have leaky gut, that permeability problem, you're going to have, we'd be more prone to allergies, more prone to infections, more prone to nutrient deficiencies because you can't break down your food. And remember the brain gut connection, the neurotransmitters are the majority made in the gut and they're modulated between the brain and the gut. So our emotions, our anxiety, depression, sleep, all of it is modulated by the gut health. So that's why the microbiome is a huge area of study because if we can get uh, a little bit better of individually, like what's going on with you as a certain patient, and I know which ways to treat that microbiome, which bugs need to be introduced or not introduced, then we're going to get a lot better with all of these pathologies you're talking about. Yeah, that's exciting. That's that's why I wanted to bring it up because it's just a little personal thing that a lot of people are going through right now. It's like, hey, I never had allergies before. But so you have a couple more things happening in Boston and then you're going to be heading to Mexico. So let's wrap up Boston and head to Mexico. That's correct. So in Boston, I will be going to Boston College with Dr. Seafried to tour his lab there. I know his research, been following, but I'll actually get a tour of the lab and I'm going to do some Facebook posts and lives and all that stuff from there and make it fun for everybody. I'm also uh, going to a new company that does the IgG delayed food sensitivity testing to look at their manufacturing facility. And I'll be sharing that as well. That's along the line of this uh, leaky gut that you're talking about, Regina, the foods that cause inflammation are an important piece. So I'll be doing that. Now, off to Mexico. Um, San Ovive is um, an oncology hospital. It's been around for a while. They've always been integrated. They've always included homeopathy. Um, they've always included um, the mind and body with the chemo, the radiation, and this and that. They've been around a long time, and it's beautiful. It's on the, um, on the ocean. So I'm going to uh, talk more to them about the metabolic therapies. They already have hyperbaric oxygen chamber, chambers there. They already know and implementing low carb diets, but we're going to get more specific with the protocols that I can get from the researchers to hand to them to say, let's start really analyzing, collecting data. And a big piece of what I did in France and what I'm doing in Mexico 
and what I'm doing with a new global metabolic uh, oncology group that means doctors from all over the world is saying we've got to collect data and we've got to do it now and we do case histories and there's a big um, program that I'm teaching everybody about we can share the data we can share our cases and start going forward so that's exciting I'll be at San Aviv um, and uh, touring that but I'll be lecturing um, on new and um, you know how they might be able to introduce more of these metabolic therapies and protocols into what they're already doing which is already amazing. It's excellent. And I like the spirit of cooperation and that you all understand the importance of this, um, this story coming forward, that these strategies and how we treat our bodies, how we feed our bodies and, and chronic ill effects of the diets we've been consuming and so forth and the lifestyle we've been living. I love the fact that you're all on the same page. You're all getting what it takes to reverse that and that you're sharing, you're cooperating and sharing data. This is just huge. Instead of one university trying to you know, wrap up the the uh, studies behind something that's going to benefit a, one particular pharmaceutical who, company who's going to who's going to compete with another. Um, I love the spirit of cooperation going on with you. And you it is integrative care. Any most doctors and most uh, institutions that do integrative care, they already have their mindset in the right place, right? Yeah. And and they want what they consider is best for the patient. Sometimes that means in their opinion, chemo, radiation, and surgery. Sometimes it doesn't. It means integrative. But the problem is in the United States is I don't have a place where when patients call me for these resource consultations or become patients, Regina, um, it's hard for me to piece together. I've got the protocols, and I say, this is when you need to do hyperbaric oxygen. This is how you need to do keto. But to find it all in one place where they live, one hospital, like in France, like in Mexico, that doesn't exist. I'm working with another uh, nonprofit organization we're, we're hoping to start in New Mexico um, on Native American land. So now we could start there. But the reason why I'm going to Santa V, they already have something. They have the equipment. They're existing. So, you know, we, we can tell patients about uh, clinics to go to outside of the United States. And there are a few in the United States and physicians that are doing some of the pieces, but we really need a hospital. And that's, that's something that's on the wish list for sure. I love it because uh, some other really interesting kind of energy technologies are being considered and played right. with on Native American land because yep. they can operate outside of some of the parameters of, right. yeah. And so this is really encouraging. So do you think this is actually going to be in the making this clinic and it's, it's it's we're we're in the middle of it now the discussions are going with the native american tribes um the next discussions are with the mayors and then the governor of the state i mean it's a whole political thing that has to happen and things don't move very quickly um with the native americans and i can say that because i've got a big percentage of native american in me but, <laughs> but i move quickly but but uh i i you know who knows when that will be available but we're working hard on it and we've got these global uh, this global group, metabolic group that I'm talking about. And those doctors are wanting to refer to me and others to get the therapies. And we're saying, I don't have it all right here. I can piece it together. I can tell patients and help them find where to go in their areas. But, you know, it's just frustrating. So we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. And uh, globally, we're definitely getting there. And I think the United States will, will follow. 
What is the name of the clinic in Mexico again? Um, we haven't named it yet. Oh, we haven't named it yet. It is is we have to get all the checks crossed and all that with the Native American tribe uh, to make sure that we're. Uh, yeah, no, I'm referring to the one in Mexico you were just talking about. Yes, it's Sanovive, Sanovive, and I have referred patients there in the past. Um, and you know, I, I what I can say is I don't have the data to know that they. Um, they are giving results that would be different um, if the patient had not gone to do their therapies. They collect their own data. I will be looking at that a lot more closely when I go. Uh, but those who want truly integrative care, it's a nice place and it's on the ocean. Data-wise, uh, I, I don't know yet, Regina, yeah. uh, but... Uh, they are interested also in collecting the data with this new tool that we have online data to do the case histories and do publications and get it published in major journals. So now we can really move forward. Yeah. Well, uh, Denise, I, just to let people know too, you are a research hound. Everybody knows this about you. You are, you're constantly scanning for everything new in these areas of passion for you. And uh, you talk about that in your newsletter on your site that people can sign up for on your site, the truth in medicine. So that's a really nice resource for people to follow aside from our little talks and other media that you do. Um, anything else before we sign off for today? No, I'm just excited. I want people, if they are interested in what um, I'm talking about, start following me on all my social media channels. That helps me get the book out there and helps me to get the information out to the public that I'm privy to on these amazing researchers from these amazing institutions. So that people have hope, Regina. So that people say, oh, it is moving forward. Yes, we do have pioneers and people with ethics behind it to try to move um, us out of the traditional medical paradigm that we're in. The medical paradigm we're in in America is broken and someone needs to change it and I'm, I'm ready to help be a piece of that. I know you are. Denise, thank you so much for your time. It's always very uplifting talking to you. And again, I encourage everybody, uh, please try to go on her social media pages and give some thumbs up and some likes there so this book can get out there. I've been waiting more than two years, two years at least for you to come out with this. So I know. I thank know. you again for taking time. And then uh, when we get back together, we'll find out what you learned in Mexico and how things in New Mexico are going as well. Okay. Sounds great, Regina, and thank you for the work that you do. It's always amazing. Thank you. So everybody, you can go to drwarden.com and you'll run into all of a whole slew of studies, information, uh, the truth about medicine and so forth. So um, please support Denise's work. I think it's super important that we start standing behind people who are truly trying to make a difference. And I find it personally sad that professionals have to go out and deal try to garner social media numbers to move their work forward, but then I'm not a huge fan of social media. So anyway, let's do what we can to support her. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on reginameredith.com.